Welcome to More Than a Mission, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to discern God's calling to live an active, intentional life of sharing the gospel. Each week, we talk about the way God is moving in our lives, around the world, and everywhere in between, as well as how God's call to missions may apply to your life. Ready to explore your calling? Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of More Than a Mission. I am Micah Torgerson, and I am joined, as always, with the drone driver, Zaya Henderson. How you doing, guys? And Mr. Beach Volleyball, Sunburn, Andrew Carlberg. What's up, y'all? What's going on, guys? Thanks for joining again. Um, So we're back again tonight to talk about this world race mission trip that the three of us are going to be embarking on come October. Um, For any new people joining in this week, the world race is an 11 month mission trip that takes us around the world to 11 different countries. And within those countries, uh, our team members will be partnering with local uh, organizations, churches, and communities uh, to serve in the communities that we'll be staying in for those 11 months. Um, As part of this 11-month mission trip, each team member is responsible for raising the funds to cover the cost of the trip for for themselves. Um, And that is what we're going to be diving into deeper tonight, is the ever so exciting topic of fundraising. And for our World Race mission team leaving in October 2020, the fundraising amount for our team is a whopping $17,700. Zaya, what did you think the first time you saw that big old fundraising amount for this trip? It it definitely took me by surprise. I was like, okay, this is going to be a very interesting fundraising process. <laughs> Andrew, what about you, man? Yeah, well, so it was like twofold. I'll tell you one. I was like, you know, truthfully, cheaper than I thought it'd be for an entire year of having to like have money. But then two, it's just like, yeah, that's 10 times more than I've ever raised for anything that I've ever done in my life. And yeah, intimidating. Right, dude. Intimidating is, I think, the best word to in, to describe it. Like, I remember the first time I came across our World Race route. And truthfully, I think I uh, was leaning towards our route because it was cheaper than a lot of the other ones uh, leaving around the same time. <laughs> and that cheaper might sound like kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I think it was like five or 600. So come on, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, holy crap. Dang near $18,000 I have to raise to go on this mission trip. It, it just seemed like, an impossible amount uh just looking at it from the start but then like you were saying andrew when you actually like take the time to break it down and like think about it eighteen thousand dollars for 11 months of cost of living in 11 different countries and that includes all of the travel to all these countries so you got to think flights are going to be a huge chunk of that as well so i don't know the cost of living for I don't maybe like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars per year. That's pretty. That's pretty reasonable. 
but the fact that we have to raise it all ourselves is what was the scary part, at least for me. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Yeah, for sure. I'm more used to like the high school fundraisers that you do type of thing or the elementary school fundraisers that you have to do, not this huge chunk of money that you had to do it. Right. And like, like you were saying, Zaya, my very limited experience with fundraising, one of them was going on our uh, high school acapella choir spring break trip to Arizona. And I think we had to sell a cookie dough and popcorn or something and raise like $600. So <laughs> a pretty, pretty minimal amount compared to what we have to do here for the world race. Yeah, I'll say for me, it's pretty similar. Like, I've been to Honduras and Nicaragua and South Africa all on mission trips, but two of those came like a couple of years or later into working. And I mean, you're talking like a thousand dollars. So the kind of thing where I was just like out of my own pocket at that point. And then Honduras is like the only fundraising I ever did, but I like didn't have to go anywhere beyond my own family and asking. And so I think for me, the like first question was just like, where do I even like start you know like who do I reach out to like what does this look like to just like get the ball rolling in the first place yeah I was definitely faced with the same thing and I was I'm kind of in a similar uh situation as you Andrew where I've been on a few mission trips uh in the past but it's always been a short-term like one week mission trip for me which was only between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars uh, for that trip for the week, and so I would do like a little bit of fundraising, but then the rest I was just covering out of my own pocket from money that I made working. And the little bit of fundraising that I did, it wasn't anything near like what I've been doing for the World Race. Uh, it was just I would do a brat fry on a weekend uh, here in Wisconsin, and thankfully Isaiah pointed this out earlier saying what in the heck is a brat fry <laughs> so for all y'all that don't know <laughs> a brat fry just picture uh me standing outside a grocery store entrance under a big old tent with the grill fired up um got brats burgers hot dogs going uh chips for sale drinks desserts all that kind of jazz for all the lovely patrons coming in and outside, in and out of the the, go the grocery stores. And a lot of grocery stores around here in Wisconsin uh, participate in brat fries, especially in the summer. It's a good way for them to make business and to get the word out about uh, good things going on in the community uh, because you have to buy all the supplies for it from the grocery stores, but then you get to set the prices on whatever you're selling and, and get to keep all the profit profits. So it's a good deal for, for everyone involved. Um, but yeah, that's what a brat fry is. But even that, when I did that for the couple mission trips that I've been on it, it got me, you know, a few hundred dollars and then I just covered the rest uh, out of my own pocket. So this has definitely been a huge wake up call and, and, um, a huge trust in God experience, it, at least for me. Um, and luckily the world race has, like the world race leadership has provided us with a lot of resources uh, for fundraising and given us great ideas. Um, so Andrew, where did you start with fundraising? How did you get the ball rolling on this one? Yeah, so 
essentially, I just started reaching out to, so this was back in like February-ish. Uh, I just started reaching out to people left and right, like asking them to have coffee, which I don't even drink coffee, but I like lived in coffee shops or <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, they own believes I've never had coffee. <laughs> but so I was just like, I literally met with 40 people in coffee shops between February and March before COVID happened. And so my method was just like, when I saw people asked them if they'd be willing to like sit down, I printed out cards that were just like prayer cards for the year. Um, to like give to people as I was just like talking to them and asking them. But yeah, for me, it was just like an unreal amount of texting and <laughs> asking people to just like sit down and have coffee with me. And it was like super fruitful in getting to meet with, like I said, it was like, it was something like 40 people in 42 days that I met with. Um, wow. wow. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. And it's definitely like a really good way to go just from the whole like being personal with people you know meeting face to face is is the easiest way uh to share your heart and strike up natural conversation it's definitely good for you for doing that because that is not the approach that i took <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think yeah i just like really i know for me and like things that i have supported it's just like way more joyful for me to support something that I like truly believe in personally and have like actually like known or encountered or been a part of um, as opposed to just like reading a letter about it. And so right. that's like kind of why my thought process was just like, I mean, one, I'm also a super long winded person. So like actually having someone for like 30 minutes to an hour to just like fully explain my heart and what we're doing and like what it looks like was just like a way better and easier option um, than like, me trying to write all of that out and send it to somebody yeah, yeah totally i wish i would have known that about six months ago because <laughs> my first step was writing out letters like putting together a list of family friends family friends 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 like people that i knew basically and wrote out this nice big old letter of what I'm doing, so what the world race is, why I'm doing it, and why like this is such a significant uh, event that's going to be be happening in my life. Mailed those out, thought it was going to be gold, uh, best letter I've ever written. I was like, all right, bring in the funds, bring in the funds. <laughs> it didn't really work like that. <laughs> I was very soon told that, hey, you need to be following up with these people that you sent letters to shoot them texts, give them calls, you know, follow up and ask them, Hey, did you get my letter? Like, would you have some time to sit down and talk with me about what I'm doing and, and why I'm doing it? And I'm not going to lie. That might've been one of the scariest things I've ever been faced with. Just like, I feel like I'm a pretty outgoing, like talkative guy, but I don't know, there's just something scary and freaky about the vulnerability of opening up and reaching out to people like with the purpose of, of sharing your heart. And that was, it was a huge thing for me to get over. There were a lot of cases where I did break through that fear and do it, but there were also a lot of cases where I didn't. So I don't know, looking back, 
probably could have done more, but <laughs> <laughs> but we're here. <laughs> Still got time, man. <laughs> Definitely, that's true. We we got a lot of time left. Zaya, how have, how has your experience with fundraising gone so far? So, like, what was my, where did you start? Mine was completely different than y'all's. So, my fundraising started in late May, early June of last year, even before I even knew the price. I just, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I pretty much started after I had my interview at my church. Like, yeah, like I need to raise uh, X amount of money. Like, didn't give a roundabout figure, but I knew it was going to be a lot. So, I was like, yeah, I need this type of thing. And, all the other jazz, and then they were able to give me at least a thousand dollars, thousand four hundred something dollars to start the fundraising journey. Then after that, it's been talking to family members because we have like first Sunday fellowship at my grandmother's house, so we go there every first Sunday, and I just talk to them, and they've helped me that way as well. Okay, yeah. cool. So I'm curious to hear <laughs> where. <laughs> I mean, I know, <laughs> but I'm curious for our viewers to hear, like, where are you at? And then, like, I'd love to hear what's been, like, a hard moment or the hardest thing in fundraising and, like, what's been the coolest thing that you've seen or learned amidst fundraising. For me, I am actually fully funded for my trip, which is fully great. So I have all my money that I need for my trip. The hardest part, I guess, will be easier to do first. Um, my mom actually passed away in October, October 5th. And that was super, super hard because she was a very God-fearing woman, woman. So I know she's in a better place. But with that being said, some of the money that she has saved away actually funded me for my mission trip. So that's cool and like bittersweet at the same time because like knowing that my mom is sending me on my mission trip is really cool, but also hard at the same time. Yeah, dude, that's tough. But I, I know she's super proud of you for what you're doing and looking down on you and, and just so, so happy for you and what we're about to experience together. So that's, that's, that in and of itself is truly awesome. What about y'all? Where are y'all at on the fundraising journey? So for me, I am at just under $7,000. So 7000 out of the 17,700, I think it's right around 40%. Um, and kind of what I was touching on earlier, the hardest part for me was just being like open and vulnerable with reaching out to people. Just because I've always like, ever since I went to college, oh goodness, is six years ago now. Um, like I was, like I've just been so independent in I worked my way through college so I could pay for my tuition, pay for my rent, pay for all of my groceries, everything pretty much. Um, I didn't really get a whole lot from my parents and it's nothing on my parents. Like it was a tremendous learning experience for me, you know, going from relying on, on my parents financially to, to uh, providing for myself. And ever since then, like I've always just like, if I needed something, I had to work to get it. And it was always just kind of in my control. And so fundraising for the world race, like, I'll be completely honest, when I first saw um, our fundraising amount, there was a big part of me that 
took the time to calculate how much money I was going to be making at my job over the next, I got accepted to the world race in October of 2019 and we're leaving in October 20. Uh, but we, we don't have to be fully funded till February of 2021. And so I, I calculated out all of the, the money that I would be making between when I got accepted and when I would quit my job to leave for the world race and was like, Hmm, like I could definitely make this work and pay for this entire trip myself if I really wanted to do that. Um, and I'm not going to lie. It was a very, like very tempting thing to do just because then I, it wouldn't have gotten, like I, it would have allowed me to avoid the uncomfortability of building this like team of support through fundraising. Um, but then like through talking with Austin, our, our, our team's mentor and, and other people about fundraising, it really became clear to me that fundraising is not about the money. Like it is about one trusting God and that he will provide, like if this is something that he's truly calling me to do, I have to trust in him that he's going to make it happen. Like there's nothing that I can personally do myself to make this happen. It's, it's all going to be God working in me and working through me uh, to reach people to, to help me reach this goal. Um, so I think that was the biggest thing for me is like letting go of control myself and letting God guide me throughout this process and like listening to what he's telling me to do and, and telling me who to talk to things like that. Um, so that was definitely my biggest struggle struggle. And I'll also say that was probably my biggest success too. Like you were saying before, Andrew, uh, as much as I might've hated like opening up and reaching out to these people to talk about it, some of my like biggest donors were those people that I just said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to give them a call. I'm going to ask them to meet up and I'm just going to share my heart with them. And there are a lot of cases where just giving them that call led to a completely unexpected conversation to begin with. Like we ended up talking about things that I never would have expected. And then two, just being completely blown away by the support that people wanted to, to give me. Um, so it was both like the best thing and the hardest thing that I've had to go through throughout this process. Yeah, I, <laughs> I relate to, so I think for me, I guess it's the first thing, <laughs> we'll share it first. I'll explain it more at the end in one of the cool <laughs> things. Um, I am also fully funded uh, as of like three weeks ago-ish now. Um, but Dang for me, I'm slacking. <laughs> <laughs> there's like four cool things I feel like I could share. There's like a, a million cool things I feel like I could share. Dude, you've there's got like, some great fundraising stories. I'll tell you. Definitely that. do. There's like three or four that I will share. But so similar to you, Micah, I would say the hardest thing for me um, is I am very much somebody who is just like driven towards action. And so like the downside of that. So like when I look at scripture, like Peter is the person that I like to see a lot of myself in or just like really driven to action. Downside is like the way I have described myself is I can be like ready, shoot, aim. Like, it's just like, don't always like actually think things through fully. Um, I just act quickly 
that can like lead to my foot being put in my mouth and it can lead to me like trying to control things. And so I think the hardest thing for me um, was similarly just like trying to think of immediately just like how can I control this into making this happen and like just like be done with this rather than like actually being willing to just like step into a place of forced dependency and trust and the beauty that comes in that. And so like a, the first moment that I'll share that is like kind of both sides of that, of just like seeing my unwillingness to just like rest and be patient and like trust the Lord while then like watching him show up in like abundant blessing is there was a day in early, no, last day of March um, where I had coronavirus. So I was like asleep all day. Fun time, by the He's way. He's a survivor. <laughs> Truthfully, it wasn't that bad for me. I had a week where I slept like 12 hours a day. Terrible fever. That was it. <laughs> but so for me, that day, that week, um, yeah, I had coronavirus. I was just like laying in bed all day. And I had met with two different sets of couples like back in they were like two of the first people that I met with back in February. One, um, when I met with them, was pretty crazy in itself. The day I texted them, asking them to meet, they had like literally just gone through their yearly budget and felt like the Lord was calling them to international missions and then like 15, like to give to international missions. And then like 15 minutes later, I texted them and reached out asking to meet up. So that's couple number one. Couple number two. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> Couple number two um, had wanted to give the month of my birthday, which is March. The wife of that family quit her job last fall to be a stay-at-home mom. She had like gone through med school, all of that, like finally become a doctor. But the Lord calling her like out of that and into being a stay-at-home mom. So she did it. And he works in real estate. So it's like fully commissioned. And then COVID happened and ain't nobody buying a house in March amidst COVID. And so I got a message from him on the 30th that was like, hey, man, we still want to give. I don't think it's possible for us to give in March. Like, we just literally have had zero income in the month of March. But like, we'd love to give to you in the future. Next day, the 31st, which is the day that I'm like laying in bed sick and all that. Get another message from him. He's like, hey, I sold four houses today. Uh, so we can like still give last day of March. What? And then the, uh, <laughs> that's part one. Then the first couple also reach out. And so. Wait, same day? Uh, yeah, same day. What? And so those two combined um, was $4,218. And so wow. this gets even crazier is that morning as i'm like laying in my bed not doing anything all day i have been reading isaiah 42 starting in verse 18 there's this passage that is just like calling out the israelites for being blind and deaf and like choosing to not look for the lord or listen to the lord like where he's moving now and then like the amount that's given 42 18 like exact chapter verse reference and it was just like amazing like just a the Lord just like speaking so clearly, like, Hey, you like want to control this thing, but like, here's how I'm going to do this. Like the day where you literally like can't do anything. You're in bed sleeping all day. Like that's the day that I'm going to show up and like 
so directly fund a quarter of your trip. Um, and so again, I say coincidence. <laughs> I think that. Dude, oh, yeah. So that was a super crazy, awesome story. Um, that yeah, there's just like there's no explanation for that other than like the Lord. And um, I had a few other just like pretty crazy stories along the way, smaller from like smaller amounts to like I spoke at a worship night and some girl I'd never met in my entire life before came up afterwards and I was talking to her. She was asking about the like sermon and I had like some of those prayer cards in my notebook and one fell out on the floor. <laughs> so I was talking to her. So she picks it up, reads it. And then like the next day I get an email. It's like, who the heck is this person? <laughs> and I like remember back to the night before and like this girl had given. Um, and I had like some really cool um, stories of redemption, like within family and just like tons of crazy stories in the giving. But I like where it gets even, truthfully, it's gotten to the point where like, I have seen the Lord so like abundantly bless this thing. Like, not only have I, like, been fully funded, I have, like, had all my gear, like, vaccines, medicine covered, and still I've had surplus to then, like, be able to give to others. Um, and so it's just been, like, a crazy amount of just, like, how abundantly the Lord has chosen to bless this. And I, I think, like, I look back at it, and uh, I think just, like, one of the really super beautiful things that I've seen in it is like the the fact that like the lord never like the fundraising goal was like never a stressor for me and like how fast it came together uh, and so like the beauty that i've seen in that is like rather than feeling like i have to focus on that i feel like the lord has just like freed me to be really intentional with like investing within our team and just like choosing to encourage people and lead um, in various different ways and so i've just like seen the Lord's blessing in that way. I would say the other like huge blessing that I've seen in it is like far more than the money, like kind of what you touched on, Mike, like the conversations um, of sitting down with like, from like family to friends to the people that are like acquaintances, like me choosing to do this and like explaining the why has forced like so many people in my life to like have to truly make a decision on like, mm -hmm. am I all in for Jesus or am I not? Like, there's no more, like, I can't just be like middle ground going through the motions on this anymore. Like I have to decide if like, I agree with this or not. And I had a lot of people tell me that like, they thought I was stupid for like giving up a job and comfort and salary. And I've seen a lot of those people like completely flip and a lot of redemption in that. I've seen people be on board from the start. I've seen people who still totally aren't on board, but I've just seen like so much beauty in the like pushing that the conversations has had on other people's um, relationships with the Lord. And like, even my parents have been like, they've been pushed into like sharing the gospel with their friends. So like trying to explain to their friends, like what I'm doing. And so I've just seen like blessing on this whole preparation and fundraising thing, like tenfold. Mm. Dude, that is so awesome. And I'm so glad that you started to touch on like all the other, the other different effects um, that it's had in your life, like not specifically just fundraising, because that was one thing that I wanted to, to ask both of you guys 
is that we kind of like, I don't know about you guys, but I was definitely raised in a way of like, okay, you got to go to school, like graduate high school, go to college so you can get a good job, provide for yourself. Like that was kind of just the, like the mentality that was uh, ingrained in my brain on how you're supposed to live. So like the thought of literally giving up everything, like everything that we have here, jobs, uh, our living, everything to go uh, on this mission trip and spread the gospel around the world is such a big deal. And like, how did your friends and how did your families take it when you, you guys told them? Like, were they supportive? Were they very questioning about it? Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Great answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I just kind of mentioned, I saw the whole end of the spectrum. Um, a lot of people not understanding and just thinking that, like I said, like I was stupid for giving up the comfort and control and like everything of, yeah, like school and walking through all of that. Like, what was the point of it? If after five years, you're just like done with that. Like I would get a lot of leading questions that were like, are you sure you still don't want to use your degree? So not people like directly coming against me, but like trying to lead me into like questioning myself kind of thing. Um, and then I saw people yeah. supportive from the start and I've seen people shift from one to the other. Uh, but yeah, I've seen the, the full end of the spectrum for sure. Yeah. Like I do agree with that also is definitely two sided with it, but Every time somebody asks me a question, like, are you sure you don't want to do that? I always just respond with, like, why not? Type of thing. <laughs> like, responding to a question with a question that normally gets them to stop, type of thing. Or they then they explain, like, oh, but don't you think you should be doing that? And I was like, well, okay. Why should I listen to you when I should be listening to somebody that's the creator of everything else? And that normally makes them be quiet, which is not saying that I'm trying to make an argument with them, but they see my point in that. I would say uh, I definitely saw both sides of it as well, like you were saying, Andrew. And it was a little bit surprising, like to see the people that were coming coming from both sides, because I wasn't expecting some people to react the way that they did. Like, yeah. I don't know. For one, like my parents weren't all that supportive of it to begin with, and I don't know why. I just kind of had come into it with this expectation of like, okay, if this is what I feel God's calling me to do. Um, like my parents will just be loving and supportive of it, but it started out quite the opposite actually. And I think it's just, um, from the fact that my parents and I are such different people and I'm very thankful for that in a lot of ways because they bring a lot of different perspective, uh, to my life and to the decisions that I make. Um, but they're both people that had, grown up and they've worked the same job that they've had since they like were out of high school or out of college and so like they've had this consistency in their life and they've lived in like the same town since then and i don't know like my idea of life is just the exact opposite of that like the thought of being in one place for more than i mean i've only been at my job for a year and a half and like i'm already leaving so if that says anything about <laughs> about how I feel about that. Um, but they've warmed up to it and have actually been very, become to be very supportive of it. Um, but that was one thing that they said right away too, is when I first told them back in 
in October of last year, um, the first thing my mom said, well, what are you going to do about your job? Like, I think that was one of the hardest things for her to get over was like, why in the world would I be giving up this stable career that I have now like achieved after all the, like all this hard work, getting good grades in high school, finishing out uh, my four mm -hmm. years of college and then getting uh, my certification as a, a CPA. Like, why would I want to just give that up? Um, and it was a little bit hard to explain at times. Like, this is just like what I need to do. This is what I feel God is calling me to do. And for her, like me just trusting him in that just wasn't like a rational, a rational thought. Um, but like, th that's just what I've come to accept is that I'm not going to totally understand what he's calling me to do at all times. I just have to trust him and follow him. Um, and so when she asked me what I was going to do about my job, I, it took me by surprise a little bit and it, it caused me to not really talk about the world race with a whole lot of people for about a month and a half after I found out that I was accepted because for one, I didn't want to start like making it public and like posting on social media, all that kind of stuff before I had told my job because I wanted them to find out from me. I, I didn't want them to find out, you know, from someone seeing my posts on Facebook or something. Um, and her, along with other people were very like convinced on the fact that I couldn't tell my employer until like a month before I was going to leave. And to me, that just seemed like so crazy because, um, like, how can I not, like, I just can't keep it a, a secret for that long. And like, like I just said, I want them to find out from me and so I ended up telling them in December of 2019 and I was actually like super surprised, you know, having hearing all these people saying, you can't tell them they're just going to fire you. Like, why would they want to keep you on for the next 10 months when you, you just told them you're going to leave and you don't know if you're going to want to come back after that. Uh, but I was very pleasantly surprised by how supportive uh, the people at my workplace were of it and saying like, just saying things like, that's so awesome. Like, it's amazing that, that you want to take the time to do that and like your heart for helping people around the world. But not only that, like if you're having questions about, you know, what your mission and purpose is in life and like, if this is really the career for you, like we're glad that you're doing that now, like while you're young and not, you know, 10 to 15 years down the line and regretting the last 15 years that you spent doing something that you had absolutely no passion for. So it was very pleasantly surprising to hear that kind of support from like my supervisor and career coach at my workplace. Yeah, I, I'll say just like what you mentioned, something I learned real fast is like, there's no other option other than like getting over the fact that like people aren't gonna understand and like laying down the need to be understood and for like people to totally agree um, with like what I'm doing. And that doesn't mean that I just like write people off, but it means that like my objective and like sharing with people isn't to just like convince them of what I'm doing, but to just like genuinely share with them the why and like 
if they don't understand it, then like, that's okay. If they want to ask questions, awesome. But like, if they're going to be against it, like my, (laughs) I don't answer to them ultimately, right? Like at the end of the day, I answer to one person and Mm -hmm. like, if he's calling me to go, that means go. And Mm -hmm. I think like the biblical example that really comes to mind is like the moment in second Kings, you know, the end of first Kings or beginning of second Kings where Elijah passes, it's the end of first Kings where Elijah passes his mantle onto Elisha. And like, Elisha doesn't just say yes. Elisha slaughters all of his oxen and burns the like plow that he had, like completely destroys everything about his old life. So that they're like, there is no choice to go back. Like he has to be all in. And so like, for me, then the question becomes, right? Like, what does it look like to like, again, strip myself of the control of like leaving doors open rather than just like knowing that the Lord spoke and just being like, yes, I'm all in on this thing, Lord. Like whatever it costs me, like whatever it means as far as people maybe not understanding me, like what it costs me salary wise, what it costs me like cultural wise, friends wise, like status wise, all of that, like if your call is into this, like my answer is yes. And it's not like half-heartedly, like my answer is fully yes to the point of Elisha, like literally burning everything that he had and going forward, which is crazy in itself to some random dude who he had never met before. Who's just like, follow me. And Elisha's like, yep, I'm going to get rid of all this and just follow you. But yeah. That's crazy. I don't know how it was with y'all, but at least for me, it was more of like the Christians that were apprehensive about you going on the trip than like the non-believers. Like yep. every non-believer that I told, they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, go for it. Da, 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 da. Then Christians were like, are you sure? Well, I don't know how it was for y'all, but that's how it was for at least me. Yeah. It made me wrestle a lot, honestly, mm-hmm. with like where I, at the end of the day, like I can't know people's hearts, but it really made mm-hmm. me wrestle with like, if that is your response, like, what does your relationship with the Lord like look like if you can be so against my answer being that like the Lord called me to this. So I'm going to go. Yeah. It was just crazy. That was something that I wrestled with early on in um, the fundraising process too, is because so I come from a very conservative background I am a member at a church in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod here in Wisconsin. And like we're, I would say we're known to be a very conservative church denomination. Like the church that I grew up in as a kid is pastors in robes, you know, people sitting in pews, singing hymns out of the hymnal with an organ playing in the background. Like no one's clapping, no one's dancing, no one's got their hands up you know, like you see in all the Hillsong and Bethel videos nowadays. Um, So that was one thing that I really wrestled with at at the beginning of all this, because the World Race is an interdenominational organization, meaning that they're accepting of all denominations. But I don't, I just had this like guilt almost in that I'm now going to be asking all of these like old family friends, people that are from my church denomination to support me in doing something that is not affiliated with our church denomination. And I just remember that weighing on me so heavily. And then I went in and talked to the pastor at my church and had a conversation with him about this. And 
how he responded to me questioning that was just like the absolute perfect response. And I was so thankful for it. He put it along the lines of, if you're going to ask these people, these Christians to support you in spreading the love of Jesus around the world and their answer is no because of all these minor differences that we have in our church denominations like it was more of like an inward reflection like how does that make us feel as Christians if that makes sense and so like that was something that I wrestled with super hard but then after he like I had that discussion with him it it just became so clear that like God sees past the differences that we all have and like is just concerned about us living like Christ did here on earth and loving one another. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like from the start, I was like, it's crazy to see that Christians are questioning about my calling or the calling that like God has placed on my heart with going on the right race. And just seeing Christians like kind of second guess the calling was definitely very concerning towards me because I'm like, okay, I know like we're supposed to be making disciples of all nations and everything, but if I can't make a disciple here, what's what's going to be my effect over the world? So that's going to, that kind of hurt me a little bit. But then after like thinking about it and praying about it, it's like, okay that's something that they have to deal with. Like that's their heart. And just like me continue with my heart and continue the calling that he has placed on me. Yeah. I feel that too, Zaya. And my pastor touched on that as well when I talked with him uh, and kind of just put it this way. Like God tells us that we're all parts of his, his bigger church body, like his family. We all have different roles and different, uh, different talents and gifts to use. And so not all of us are like, you know, the three of us where we want to be the hands and feet and go out into all the nations and, and spread the love uh, that God has. But there's so many other ways to do that and support that kind of mission than actually physically going yourself, which is, for example, you know, anyone that has supported us along this journey in our fundraising, like they may not directly be the ones going out and doing this mission work, but they're making it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would say there are a few conversations that I ended up having like with people along this idea of just like Jesus confessing believers, like not agreeing with going. And like what I found, at least in my experience within those few conversations, is that like the root was almost always like a guilt, shame, or fear. And it typically was along the lines of like feeling like maybe their calling is like a lesser than in international missions, which is just like so false. Like like you said, Micah, like it is very clear, like international missions is not the call in everyone's life. But as believers, like it is very clear that like the call on our life, the great commission, right? Not the great suggestion, is to be missional like to live in a way that is missional that is a command not a suggestion and so like to be missional to like truly love people means to like 
you are going to have to inconvenience yourself. And so I think what I came across a lot in those, the few handful of conversations I had was either like trying to root out a shame of feeling like one calling is higher than the other, which is just like a complete lie of comparison from the enemy. But then like two uh, of this like fear of, or like a shame, um, but more of like a fear to like step into a lifestyle. that's not just like totally controlled and like comfortable um and like that doesn't like what i said like it doesn't mean you have to get up and move family <laughs> like but like it, what does it look like to just like simply live a life where daily like you're seeking to love in a way that like probably means you're going to inconvenience yourself like plans will change like you might lose some friends and relationships like you might be weird and awkward but like we are called to live in a way that's missional and so like that is the like a root of conversation that I found myself at in all of those conversations was just like what our call is as believers, like that looks different for everybody, but it is also the same and that we are called to live in a way that is missional. Yeah, dude, I love that. And it, like it, we need those people that are supporting our, our churches here locally in our communities. We need people that are doing the outreach here in our local communities and running the mission-oriented nonprofit organizations here in the States. Um, and I think that's what I love so much about your one fundraising story, Andrew, where you had texted the couple like 20 minutes after they had uh, discussed like what they felt God was calling them to uh, support this year. And like the fact that they took the time to like go to God in prayer and, and ask him, hey God, like, what, what mission do you want me, what, what mission of yours do you want me to support this year? And I just think that that's so cool. Yeah, for sure. All right. Last question for you guys, before we wrap up here, for any people that are thinking about doing the world race or uh, people still fundraising for the world race or people that don't even know what the world race is right now, but they're going to hear this at some point in time and are madly intimidated by that big old fundraising number uh, that you have to, you have to raise to do the world race. What is the number one piece of advice that each of you would, would give to someone? Zaya, you go first. <laughs> This is probably cliche or everything, but I would definitely say don't worry about it. Because if something that God has called you to it, he's definitely going to get you through it. And it might seem hard at first, but the money will get there. It just depends on when, but the money will get there. Amen. Yeah, I will direct mine more towards the like, I'll let that be the answer for the fundraising side. <laughs> I'll direct mine more towards the like, don't know what world races or like looking into it kind of thing. like if you feel called to go, go. Like the answer is like that simple of yes. Like we are told in scripture, right? Like the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Like there will never be a perfect time to go. Like you can sit and you can wait forever. I think for me, something I even had to wrestle with in going was like feeling almost a shame over like saying no to a calling for years. Um, but like, there's grace for any like resistance you've put towards going and like 
the if the Lord is calling you, yeah, I would simply say go and live a life that is risky and watch how the Lord shows up because like at the end of the day, like I said, like there will never be perfect circumstances to line up. You can always have an excuse for why now is like not the time to go. Like to go back to that Elisha story, he was in the middle of plowing, could have easily had an excuse that was like, nah man, let me finish plowing, like then I'll follow you. Like there will always be an excuse to say no. But like if you feel the Lord tugging on your heart, my simple advice would be go. Absolutely. And I would kind of just reiterate what the both of you uh, were saying in just that, like, if this is something that you feel called to do, like you have a passion for sharing the gospel, to focus on that. Don't focus on the money, because if you put your focus on doing what God has called you to do and sharing his word and showing love by how you're acting and how you're interacting with people, people are going to see that people are going to see your heart behind why you're doing this and like how your heart is going to help change, change the world and people will want to support that. So it, it, it will come. Like Zay was saying, it will come. We're going to end this week's episode with a new segment that we're going to introduce called the word of the week. And the word of the week is just going to be a, a short little word or Bible passage that the Lord is speaking to one of the three of us. Uh, and we're just going to share uh, how the Lord is speaking to us through this passage. So Zaya is going to kick us off with the first ever word of the week segment. Zaya, floor is all yours. Yeah. So one word that I have been really focusing on this week is salt. I know that's super weird just to think of salt randomly and everything. But the main verse that I've looked at is in Matthew, which is Matthew 5.13, which says that you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And for me, or how I interpret that is saying how Christians, like our words are supposed to make people uncomfortable. It's not supposed to leave a sweet taste in people's mouth. Like at that point, like if it loses saltiness, you're pretty much becoming sugar. And sugar is definitely not fulfilling the kingdom of what God has prepared you to do. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, dude, that's so good. Kicking <laughs> off the word of the week segment with a bang, dude. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Zaya. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap it up for us uh, this week on the More Than a Mission podcast. Thank you all for joining us again. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Hope you all have a great week. We want to thank you for listening to More Than a Mission. For more information and to keep up with our ministries, follow us on social media at More Than a Mission Podcast or email us directly at more than a mission at outlook.com.